0: what is going on guys and welcome back to the one and only growing together podcast my name is kaylin i'm kyra we're here to walk with you through life faith relationships and money good kyra
1: what's up
0: Kind of weird, I didn't give you really any uh I know, I, we
1: haven't talked at all today. We normally record the podcast at night, but if you're watching video, we're recording it during the day because it's a whole thing. But yeah, so we haven't really talked at all today.
0: <laughs> I feel like you guys, okay, if you're watching the video, and you know, I've been doing this for every single episode, um, <laughs> you guys see me come and sit down and then just kind of get started. And I've never explained what, is actually happening there. Um, I kind of like to surprise Kyra every episode. So I like to get her distracted, like maybe she'll be on her phone or something. So I'll press the record button and then I'll like run over here, sit down and it's just like, it's on.
1: It's on. So
0: when we talk about this not being rehearsed, (laughs) us not talking a lot of the times beforehand, it is so true. Because somehow Kyra will be looking at me like, really?
1: No, most (laughs) of the time we don't talk about it before.
0: So um, the other thing I wanted to mention is Thank you guys for tuning in all the time. Um, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud publicly, but I didn't really expect to have a successful podcast when we first started. Um, You guys don't know. or I I mentioned it a couple of times before, but the first time I tried podcasting was back in 2016 and I got three episodes in, which just so happens to be where most people start and stop. And starting this podcast was pretty scary for me. Because I already know um, how I am, the things that I like to talk about, and some of the things that I'll say that um, could be controversial, and the fact that we're two years now into this podcast journey, the audience continues to grow, and Woo-hoo. really what I'm most excited about is the quality of the audience is refined. So I feel like I can just talk about anything.
1: Same. We talk about this all the time, actually, since like... Our career in YouTube has just been so interesting and we've done so many pivots since starting years and years and years ago. Um, and like when we first started, the quality of like comment was completely different than like the type of comments that we get now.
0: Well, we didn't have that. We had we done we did on audio first.
1: No, I mean like way back when we first started doing YouTube.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like, gotcha.
1: you know, like the the kind of comment when we're doing like silly kind of videos, the comments are just kind of different. Like, oh, you're such a cute couple, which of course we uh, appreciated those comments as well. But we also love that we have like, honestly, such a smart, like intelligent audience that can like think for themselves and kind of bounce off of us as well. And I think that's just so cool. Like I love looking in the comments and people are like actually able to discuss things. Right. Whereas before- even when we were kind of vlogging too, like sometimes the comments are just like, "Oh, such a beautiful family," I'm like they're cute, yeah. whatever. But like having a a platform of like thinkers, mm-hmm. I love that.
0: I've um, we like we're growing like,
1: together. It really is. We're like,
0: oh yeah, it's you know I've been following you guys for X amount of time, and it's just so cool to see how you guys have like grown in the Lord or grown in business or your family has grown. And we never get the opportunity to say, we're proud of y'all. Yeah, you because guys have too. the way that y'all been looking at us is the same way that we've been looking at y'all. And I mean, some of your faces, I've just seen change in the form of like the profile pictures <laughs> over the years. And um, y'all have grown just like we have. Yeah. So we're just thankful to have y'all. The reason that's kind of on my head is we have a friend, Chelsea um, Hurst, who just kind of announced that she is retiring from YouTube. And she's Forever. OG, OG YouTuber. She's uh paid her dues. Um, she started so when much she was about 13. Yeah, contributed so much to the platform. Um, Trailblazer really just crawled so a lot of people could walk. And one of the things that um, she had brought up was, you know, starting so young and pretty much having most of your life be on the internet and really the the audience that you start with, especially if you go viral in the form that we all did you're not the same person that you were when you first went viral if you've been right. doing it for like a decade plus. So really, I just want to commend her for having the courage to uh, step off the platform and just find spaces where she can continue to grow. Because sometimes the uh, spaces that we're in are not the spaces that we're supposed to stay in. Yeah, And we have to trust God and not be afraid to go out into the unknown. One of the things that she said that stood out to me was just because doing something else might be hard doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. Yeah, And I love that because that's what I was kind of talking about last year. Like, I don't want to just do the low-hanging fruit. I don't want to, uh, back in the day, we said this, like, we don't want to just do pranks. We don't want to just do challenges and do silly stuff that is going to, one, gain us an audience quicker of, you know, people who are interested in that stuff. But maybe the quality of the people aren't really what, we're looking for and I don't mean the quality of like the total person I just mean the type of people that are interested in a certain type of content are not going to be interested in the type of content that we may really want to create so that's why I wanted to give a shout out to the growing together uh, community
1: and like yeah it's just cool that like we launched it with the idea that we want a community that is set on growth that is set on being able to talk about an array of different different topics without being defensive or like with the understanding that we can talk about things and disagree and it's okay. We can also love each other. And like, we have that in our marriage, like where I can say something that Kayla doesn't agree with. And it's like, all right, bet we're just going to move on if we don't agree, whatever. It's not a big deal. And that's really cool how we've been able to like bring you guys in as well. Yeah. And now it's like one big group. I think th- I just love that. Like, I think that's so cool.
0: one of the things in my bio used to be, I want to talk about things that matter. And to see that this is kind of like the, and it's not, we're not over. But to mm-hmm. see like how this is coming together um, is is beautiful to me. And it just puts me kind of at pause. Like I just feel so free to be able to like hop on here and chop it up with you guys. And hopefully this is also edifying for you guys. And hopefully our little space that we create on the internet is delightful to you guys. Because in a lot of ways it it's kind of like a risk. Like it's way easier to sell out and do yeah. things that we know could maybe have like a more uh, large appeal, uh, address a larger target audience. But doing this, just just something to my soul. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I was just thinking too, um, talking about Chelsea, something about YouTube is it hasn't been around long enough to be a career for anybody who's like done it from when they were super young and then retired doing YouTube. Mm. Like it hasn't, no one has reached that yet. And starting when you're 13, like the, YouTube doesn't fire you mm-hmm. like you can create videos indefinitely as long as the is around you can just keep going and so because you don't really get fired you're there's no like pay increase you don't like ask your manager like oh can I you know work more hours or whatever like you're self-employed technically and so it's like to just like walk away when you're not being fired or like really no one's forcing you to do anything mm-hmm. is also just and there's still wild. so much upside
0: like I just cannot stress enough how much somebody like Chelsea or even uh, she had mentioned Sarah Therese who did something similar how much they leave on the table and I know that their audiences understand the sacrifices that they're making and obviously the reasons that they're doing it is legitimate and I commend them for that but we should commend them even further because they are leaving so much on the table in order to be faithful and yeah they're
1: leaving on the upside Mm mm-hmm not because they want to go out, not because their audience has kicked them out or like canceled them or anything. They're leaving like at the, at I the just, top. I just
0: respect the, the heck out of that because yeah. when you consider, consider counting the cost of something, it is in the influencers best interest to do something like that. When there's nothing else on the table, you've already milked, milked the cow until the milk is gone. But you know, to do something like that, I just want to commend them. So yeah. the reason I'm talking about this is because I think that in the time, the day and age that we're going into, it is incredibly important to, for a creator like us, creators like us, influencers like us to have audiences that will do the critical thinking and be intellectually honest. Because, in a lot of ways, we're going to be taking some risks in the things that we talk about, the way that we talk about them, and it will not be advantageous for us business wise um, in the way that we've done business in the past. And part of that is um, talking about things as they come up honestly and conditioning your audience to like let them know, hey, this isn't just a place where you go for entertainment. Like this is a place where you're going to go and you're you're going to be challenged. Your brain is going to be stimulated and We're not here trying to trigger you, but rather we're here trying to, again, challenge you to maybe think outside the box and question how you get to certain conclusions because, the premise is, a lot of us are so influenced by a culture of today, the secular culture. And we make, you know, no, no, no bones about it. We are a Christian podcast and we're coming from a Christian worldview and there's going to be conflict there. And we just wanted to condition you guys, first commend you, for grown with this to where we are and then condition you guys to be able to, you know, go along with, go, go along with us with the conversations that we're having sometimes, you know, at first touch, give us the grace when we're wrong and just, just be ready. Just be ready. Um, and I'm not saying that to, you know, act like there's going to be just, yeah, you're not trying to hype something saying. up. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Just- but just again, just commending y'all for being along on the journey. But
1: there's something about turning 25 that like, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I feel like I just like got jolted awake. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it's like going back to school that I'm just like thinking more. And I'm like, wow, there's a lot on the line. There's a lot on the table. There's a lot at stake. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, yeah, yeah. when it's, did I grow up? I don't know.
0: It's is. real serious business. It's and real serious. I think it's part of it. Part of it is because, I mean, um, going to a Christian school and, to contrast like we've gone to i've gone to a lot of different schools <laughs> and you know we were raised and we went to public school so we understand what the secular world has to offer especially being from a place like california that is on the leading edge of progressive ideologies and now going to a christian university that is teaching from a worldview that we actually agree with it's it's just interesting because depending on where you start it is going to dictate where you end up so a lot of the institutions in America aren't Christian. So they're not teaching Christian worldview and the worldview. If you're not really familiar with that term, it's really like, okay, who am I? Why am I here? What am I to do while I'm here? And it's from that understanding is how you dictate and live out your life. So from a Christian worldview, we say, um, how do we get here? God put us here. Who are we? We are who God tells us who we are, what are we supposed to do? We are to do what God tells us to do. So we're created in the image of God for God's glory. So we have an inherent, um, worth that is God given to us. And we have inherent purpose because we do what God tells us to do. So pretty much the way that we live our life and the direction of our worship, the way we deal with depression, anxiety is all going to be within a Christian worldview. And it is God focused. Okay. But in the absence of that, which Secular universities, institutions, schools have to have because there's a separation between church and state. They are putting in a godless worldview that is now starting to have some crazy logical conclusions from it. And we live in this world and these things are starting to contradict the way that we believe. And it's really starting to infringe on the way that we live. So we have to be wise and discuss these things because they do affect us and they affect our kids. So I guess that was uh, the way to tee up one of the things, the first things I want to talk about. And one of the things about having a podcast that's biweekly is we only get an opportunity to talk about news that's actually news. And what I mean by that is if it's not relevant for more than a week, it's not relevant at all to me. I don't have time to just be on my phone all day like I used to just looking at news. And I mean, the other day I got a um, active shooter um, phone call, text, and multiple emails at the school that I was going to. Because somebody called in a fake active shooter threat, which is just so insensitive at the time that we live in. So it's just stuff like that. Like, I want to know and talk about the things that are relevant for more than a week. One of the things I wanted to bring up, as you probably already guessed, was that Nashville shooting. Um, We had a transgender person go into a church slash school and kill a nine-year-old. And, you know, we live in Texas. And Uvaldi, you know, happened last year. That, oof, that hit me. That gut punched me. Um, but this one actually got me to cry. I remember when you had told me. I'll just look it up, and you see the videos of this demented person, like shooting through locked
1: the locked the video. Even the Uvaldi videos that were released.
0: I, I haven't seen the Uvaldi videos. I. It's just it hit different when you got kids.
1: I also feel like being in a Christian university, and we're like so like to the the most we've probably ever been in our life. Like in our Bibles, like truly reading. We're also older, so we just have more understanding. We're also now going to a church that is like preaching the word, like preaching the Bible. It's not topical, and so I feel like when bad things happen in the world, we are just like extra extra sensitive to it because like our eyes are set on god like mm-hmm. so intently that when bad things happen it's like wow it it just you're like spirit is sensitive
0: yeah and like and we love people um all right. people, even people who don't agree with us and love like, doesn't rejoice in evil and wrongdoing so when i see that i'm like i'm a little too sensitive yeah right now um
1: my professor said that one of the I guess most apparent ways you can tell someone is Christian is how well they love people. Mm. Like how deeply. And like, do you weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice?
0: And those are all important, you know, aspects of love, the biblical love that we talk about, because as a Christian from our Christian worldview, we have a a bedrock that we can define love on. We can define it as a subjective thing because God is love. And God gets to define that. Now, in our culture, our culture will try to cut the legs out of the Christian worldview and say, oh, you guys don't get to have a monopoly on love. And then they'll try and redefine it a certain way. So it'll prevent us from utilizing the other aspects of love, which is telling the truth, telling someone the truth. I don't think that love lies, you know, unless it's to save somebody's life, but to you know, Look at what happened in Nashville and act like that wasn't a, a hate crime. And to act like this confused person didn't intentionally do that, I think is, you, you, you got to be crazy.
1: Oh, it was I, clearly intentional. I have to see
0: it. And I know the hesitation that Christians can have, especially online, is that we don't want to call this the ideology that led this confused person to do what they do. We don't want to conflate that with what they did, but I think that they absolutely can be correlated. And we gotta be able to have this conversation openly without worrying about people calling us hateful when really we're just speaking the truth in love because the love that we have also commands us and implores us to tell the truth.
1: I also mm. think there's just another like a lane of conversation and a lane of open dialogue of like we can say things out loud that we may be wrong or maybe we're we're not understanding it properly, but to get to a correct understanding, we have to be able to say it out loud, right like we have to be able to talk about what happened without holding back because we might we're afraid that we might be wrong
0: right and or we're afraid that you know people. Might tell us that we're wrong. The fact of the matter is we're not going to exist in a place where there's not going to be any friction. We yeah. all have, again, different worldviews, different beliefs that are going to contradict and conflict with each other at certain times. Now, if you have to resort to violence to steal from Brody Bauckham, if you have to resort to violence. That means that you're losing. You don't have anything to stand on. Your ideas can't just remain in the arena of ideas clashing, but rather now you're going to resort to ad hominem attacks. You're going to physically try and hurt somebody to shut them up. And that's the type of persecution that I expect as a Christian. It's just we have to be wise and make sure that we can limit as much persecution as we can, that we can limit as many people trying to separate us from the bloodlines that supply our families with resources, money, whatever we do in order to be good. We have to be diligent be wise and build up businesses that are independent of the system so that when we speak truth to power, we're not allowing them to cut us off. And that's, that's what we're trying to do because I mean, and, and the audience can decide how many Christian influencers are talking about this in a way where they're actually condemning the transgender ideology, where they're actually condemning and, and calling things what the Bible calls it and uh, an abomination these things. And we're not just trying to gang up on uh, people for their particular sin. We're all sinful. But our culture doesn't promote most sins like the ones, like the way that they promote the ones that they're promoting today. And I think it's the logical conclusion of these ideolo- ideologies and these belief systems that are dangerous to live around. And I'm not going to sit around idly by while our kids are being attacked and let people gaslight me. And act like the things that God has made clear isn't clear. You've Lost your mind. Like, I had such a righteous indignation. Not because I'm a righteous or perfect person. Because I see evil happening in the world. And I see that evil in comparison to a holy and just God. And it breaks my heart. Because I know that God is just. So it's not even that. I don't think that anything is going to happen to uh to avenge for the evil. It's that, I would rather it not be happening. Right. And in order to get to that point, we have to tell the truth to people. God created us male and female. This is what he said. So again, there's gonna be some people that say, oh, Kaylin is, Kaylin is mean, Kaylin is hate speech. I'm just saying that Kaylin is a Christian and Christians believe the Bible. And this is what the Bible says. This is just what the Bible says. We're we gonna make it plain, plain, we're gonna say it clearly, because what we're not gonna do is just act like there's so much nuance in things that is they're that just evident, right? Because Bible, is some things
1: are right and some things are wrong, right? And
0: then the things that there is nuance, and let's be nuanced. But guys, we got to see the danger of putting our head in the sand and la 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 lying around nowadays and acting like evil isn't advancing.
1: Yeah, but there, I think I think some Christians can be afraid because to say um transgenderism is sinful well now that puts a target more on the backs of christians more on the backs of the christian children who are at christian private schools and it's like well let's just let's just be quiet let's just leave them alone maybe they won't look our way and they won't try to hurt us yeah
0: i mean i guess the the answer to that is we are going to leave them alone nobody's trying to you know Uh, resort to violence in order to get them to believe well there's a
1: political aspect to it which is what they would say is like the republican christians that Mm -hmm. they do attack them take away their rights
0: and and nobody nobody hates you um i don't believe that you should have to fear for your life and anybody who would go and try and hurt a transgender or person within the lgbtq plus um people group i condemn that too but The fact of the matter is you don't get to oppress people in the ideological realm. We can have opinions and we should be able to state our opinions without fearing for our livelihood, without fearing for our lives, without wondering if we're going to get canceled or not. Because again, nobody hates anybody. Nobody is a phobic of anything. I mean, there probably are some Christians are like that, but I mean, as far as we're concerned, no, not at all. Right. But just as much as I'll let you live, you got to let me live. And just as much as y'all want to indoctrinate kids in whatever social institutions y'all want to do that in, whether that be in libraries, public schools, whatever, then we should be able to, and we are commanded to indoctrinate our kids with the Christian worldview to raise and train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We have our beliefs and they are just as legitimate as you have yours, except <laughs> <laughs> Our, ours, Except ours. they're not. <laughs> it, it, I, I guess, insofar as we have opinions, right? But the Christians do believe that there is an objective morality and there are objective ethics and there's objective worldviews that God has um, revealed to us. So that's where we come from. But again, no matter where you land, you shouldn't be violent with people.
1: Right. I agree.
0: But again, I understand why people are because they feel like you are attacking, attacking their identity. But we're just saying whether you want to take it secular secularly and just going scientifically or you want to introduce the faith worldview, which I don't think that you could divorce anyway. If you want to do good science, um, it just doesn't make sense. And, and we don't we're not we're not doing it. Yeah. Not participating in it. No, I'm not trying to disrespect nobody, but I'm not doing
1: it. I won't. I think. um because it's not, it's not this flowery situation. I think a lot of people who are transgender or part of LGBTQ+, plus they feel misunderstood and a lot of times maybe grew up in Christian households or were growing up in church or would go to church and felt personally attacked because at the end of the day, you are attacking their their personhood is what they believe. Like you're attacking the being in which they believe that they are. And so it it's not like beyond me to understand like why they would resort to wanting to harm somebody or wanting to get vengeance because like that that's what the world says is their right. Like we can seek vengeance. Like they don't have a creator or a God that they believe is seeking justice on their behalf right um and also a lot I, here. I mean i could just imagine too like i mean no one wants to feel personally attacked no mm-hmm. one wants to feel like i telling somebody i feel something so deep inside of me that it's it's so apparent and tangible that i believe it to be my truth and yet here is somebody telling me no like, where do you get off, you know? The,
0: the problem is when they, have they try scales, to force us to validate something that we don't believe to be true. And we reserve the right to have our opinions as well. So I shouldn't have to live in a world that is forcing me to validate something that I don't believe to be true. And to your point, um, or I guess to your lifestyle point of when you study things like theology, and to take from like R.C. Sproul, he says that everybody's a, the- a theologian. It's just what do you believe about God and what God do you believe? Mm -hmm. And there's so many people in the secular space that has developed a secular humanistic type worldview where in the absence of God, they've had to create worldviews. And they want to act as if that's going to be something that is very subjective and in that subjectivity, there shouldn't be a clashing because they should respect, oh, you have your opinion, I have mine. Let's just linked together and saying kumbaya except for they have their subjective secular humanistic worldviews. And then they act as if, as if they borrow from us and act as if their worldview is objective and try and hold us to it right. and try and oppress us into finally folding and agreeing with it. I'm not going to do that because there is a sense where I can believe what I believe about God and about how the world should be lived. And I really do believe it with, with strong conviction and you can believe what you believe and trust me, I'm going to leave you alone. Even when you say stuff that contradicts me, the question is, are you going to leave me alone?
1: Well, and that's the thing. I think we kind of, in our minds are like, Oh, if everybody would just leave each other alone, it would be fine. But no, because the Christian worldview is so that this worldview is sinful in and of itself. Mm -hmm. These behaviors, these acts, these thoughts are sinful. There will never be peace. There will never be goodness that comes from this. Ever. Ever. It does not exist. Unity does not exist. We cannot bring unholy sinful things to a holy God and think that there will be unity and we'll all just be happy and we'll just leave each other alone. And That doesn't exist.
0: And this experiment has been tried before whether you look at the Marxist societies of the world or you look at the paganistic, polytheistic societies of the world that with their terrible and evil worldviews have done some atrocious things. And to just think that God sits idly by throughout human history and doesn't enact judgment on sinful people, you've lost your mind. So out of love, I say what the Bible says plainly and clearly this is not Kaelin's opinion. So you're not canceling me. I'm just saying the stuff that people try and keep quiet in the Bible out loud. And there's a lot more people saying the quiet stuff out loud because we're realizing, oh, it's actually not me. It's just because I believe the whole counsel of the Bible. I don't just have the buffet and take the good things that don't contradict what people who don't even believe in God will believe and support. No, I have to I have convictions, y'all. And this is the the hill that I'll die on here I stand. I'm not going nowhere else, so everybody's a theologian, and our culture just so happens to <laughs> construct their own gods, have their own idol worship, and a lot of them will say they have their own sacrifices in certain ways well and, and they I feel like that the, the person who did what they did in Nashville, I feel like she did that as as if she was like a martyr and she's sacrificing for the movement.
1: Well, and what I was going to, what I was thinking with that is at the end of the day, these idol these like ideologies you make yourself a God. Mm. So of course she would feel so entitled to do what she did because she worships herself, Mm. whatever she feels, whatever she wants is right. And that is just, and it is okay for her to kill other people because she is her own God.
0: Okay, now I have to say this. I don't want to conflate and say that every person who believes this way will, because um, I know what they'll try and do. They'll try and say, well, well Kaylin and Kyra are, um, they're anti-trans and anti-LGBTQ, all this, and they're hateful, and they're trying to make it seem like everybody who believes that way will end up being like a school shooter or whatever. Not saying that at no, all. No,
1: I think there's extremes on both sides.
0: Right. I mean, we had Christians doing crusades. No, there's, like- there's
1: yeah, there's Christians that do, but harmful, evil things as Christians who do harmful, evil things. What I'm
0: saying well. is the Romans one, the 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 creating new ways to do evil, and the people who praise it. I'm saying the people who praise the stuff that the Bible has called explicitly sinful are going to be more likely to do stuff like that because they are godless and wicked. Right. and I'm it, saying that the people who have the worldview that don't believe that there is an intrinsic value in human life because we are cosmic accidents and there's no God and there's no reason why we're here. I'm saying that those people are going to be more likely to devalue human life and take it in that way because their worldview is bankrupt. It's bankrupt of moral value. It's bankrupt of ethical value because where can it be derived from themselves. if it's just subjective? <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So don't try and make it seem like we are hateful or anti this or anti that if i'm anti anything it's because the bible is, is called that a sin and i want to slay my sin i want to die to myself so that i could be more righteous before god but not because that makes me righteous but so i could live a, a holy lifestyle and it's for my good because sin and always leads to others. chaos. yes it always leads to, leads to chaos so that is why don't be mad at me be mad at god because a lot of people are God-hating, because your worldview that you've constructed necessitates that you hate God.
1: Yeah, there will In never be In order to unity. replace
0: God, you have to become God yourself. And all I'm saying is, I'm not willing to do that anymore. Wherever the Bible leads me, is where I'm going to go. Which leads to the next thing that we have to talk about. So this. uh, Past Easter. This past Resurrection Sunday. I was minding my business. I ain't been on real I ain't really been on social media like that. I'll pop on and look at Kyra's stories or whatever. But uh I, I cannot
1: believe you today.
0: I had a friend send me what happened at uh Transformation Church. I'ma surprise y'all with my take on this. But we just gonna get all in it today. So if you are not sure by now, I know we super late, but again, it's bi-weekly and this is still news to me because, uh, it's still
1: being talked about. Yeah. I
0: think it's bigger than transformation church and, uh, Mike Todd. I think that it is something, it hints on something that we've been talking about for a long time, which is, uh, what church really is and how, you know, you go into a good church. Now, if you don't know at transformation church, apparently they had a play and, Again, I don't go there. Um, I'm not going to disparage them. I'm just going to go based off of how it seemed, based off of what I saw, like most other people. So I look at this clip that my friend sends me, and he sends it to me, and it's on TikTok. And y'all know I'll never allow TikTok on my phone. (laughs) No, I don't have TikTok on my phone. So I look at it in the browser, and I thought that he had sent me the Sam Smith Grammy performance, personally. And y'all know that we have a podcast where we talked about that. And Maverick City and, and all that And how demonic all that was Now He sent me this clip And I'm watching it And thankfully I'm a creator Because I immediately gave the benefit of the doubt to them um, It was A lot of people are saying A demonic play And um, it was making a mockery Of God and what, and what Jesus did On the cross and all this stuff So I'm trying to see it from two different ways On one end, I'm trying to see the artistic expression characterized in the play and really get the main theme and point of it. And to me, even though I think that they did it in some ways where they, to take from his words, really flirted with the line and maybe even crossed it in some of our opinions, I get what they were trying to do. They are trying to depict the evilness in the world And do things in a new way. I know Mike Todd Singh is to represent things. And in so doing, you sometimes cross lines. And I think that's why he's kind of always in the media. Because he's always crossing lines and and doing things. I don't necessarily think he's just doing it for attention. I just think that in trying to do things differently, artistically, you cross lines. And that gets you more attention.
1: Well, the lines are man-made.
0: Right. But some of the lines aren't. And that's that's so,
1: really uh, that's really hard to defend. I feel like you think. Well, okay, I haven't. I'll just say.
0: Okay, that's just one side, though. The other the other side is what everybody else is saying that this is blasphemous, this is making a mockery of God. This is a terrible time to do it. Uh, I would add in that the the church building, the ecclesia, isn't for nonbelievers. It's for believers to gather on the Lord's Day and to be instructed in the Word, so that they can be um edified here and then sent out to be evangelistic because if you don't have it that way when it when is the church getting nurtured like yes there's an evangelistic aspect to churches but if you are seeker sensitive in a way where you only want a f- the fresh blood of new believers coming in and you have to dumb down the gospel message and the instruction throughout the entire bible i think that that is not the way to do it but Ha- I'm gonna be quiet because Kyro's. I would sometimes. love
1: to hear his and I honestly I haven't done any I again, all of this is shocking to me, okay guys. I was not prepared for this today. Um I think he did a, I saw, I think he did a video where he kind of talked about what happened on Easter or what I, what his idea was. So I'd love to watch that and like get kind of more of a backstory. Um But I think like I'm just like <laughs> let's use our brains. Like his team in himself obviously got together they know easter is about to be popping there's about to be a lot of people who kind of claim christianity but do not live it out and they're going to be at church on sunday so let's do like a dramatic play instead of <laughs> instead of preaching the gospel in a more traditional way mm. which i understand that
0: i, understand I, don't. It. I just don't think it's for sunday Like I should, I thought. Oh, for Easter
1: for Easter Sunday, I don't, I don't take, I don't think I take issue with it.
0: Yeah, but I think that the reaction that they got was exactly what they expected because they knew that to the traditional thinking Christian mind that they would see that play and be shocked. But let me just say this: that was the point. The point was to be shocking
1: right it's easter because it does invoke thought yes it's resurrection sunday the whole yeah no no, no, i'm
0: not that's not my point my point uh, isn't oh because it's easter because it's resurrection sunday my point is he was trying to flirt that line and probably cross it so that it would cause people to react the way that they did because that's what media is supposed to do when they write sad uh, songs they want you to be sad when they write happy songs they want you to be happy when you do a dramatic play when you're depicting evil and you're I guess making like you you want that reaction that you got. I I just think that it was a bad day to do it.
1: I mean, now this is just like, we're assuming his thoughts, their whole meaning behind it. I think that there's nothing wrong with doing a dramatic play. Obviously drama, dramatic, it's going to produce shock. But I think I, I hope that their hope was that the shock would be like, wake up to the Christians and to the Mm non-Christians. Like there are a lot of Christians that, oh, it's Easter Sunday, everybody get all dressed up, and it's more about the dressing and buying new outfits than it is for the real meaning of Mm -hmm. why we're celebrating. Like, I feel like it is a shock to everybody.
0: Honestly, I think I'm going to expand on that and make a point that you're probably not going to make and probably don't agree with. (laughs) I think that in a lot of churches, Easter Sunday is already a mockery. Why? Just the way that it's conducted. Like, people... (laughs) People don't be going to church all year going to church. They can off the outfits is a joke.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that's a joke.
0: <laughs> like
1: I was literally like on Sunday. I was like, I am literally I feel like I put in. I didn't put any effort. I didn't buy new clothes. Nobody got new outfits. Nothing. We were sitting in the overflow room like we weren't, even, <laughs> we weren't even in the actual sanctuary. I was like, this is so. It's so fake. It just is like what do you mean. It's just so fake. Like people who don't go to church all year and then go on Easter Sunday and then aren't going to go at all again. And it's like, do you believe that Jesus died and got up out that grave for you? Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if you believe that you will be worshiping God daily. Daily.
0: Like at our church, the the mission is Every week we get that gospel message. We get that resurrection Sunday message. Every week in every song and the whole service, because
1: it's a big is deal.
0: conducted in a way to display that gospel every Sunday. It is.
1: It is. It is. The, that message is the biggest deal of our lives.
0: Mm-hmm. And but it's not our our church. Our church on Easter specifically, I think presented the gospel message in a way that was more seeker sensitive. But well, yeah. we had talked about that the week before. And the week after, okay? But throughout the rest of the year in the church calendar, the gospel message that is being preached from the pulpit that is happening as a result of faithfully expositing the word and not trying to say cool stuff, you end up at the gospel because the whole Bible is about Jesus. Right. So you inevitably have to talk about what he has done. But this gospel message is preached in such a way that it is also edifying to people who are believers who need to be reminded of the magnitude of what has happened. So, no, I don't just look at one Sunday and put it above the other ones where I still need to believe and hear that gospel. I want to hear it every Sunday. (laughs) Every message is a failure of a message if it is not including that gospel message, period. I agree. Cause it's like, what are we opting for? What are we trying to optimize for? But like you said, people to retweet us and, 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 and share our clips because we said something cool. Or do we really want people to get saved?
1: Our son, our churches like Sunday message. I'm not expecting pastors and elders and teachers and church leaders to just act like Easter Sunday. Isn't going to be a huge thing for new fam or for new families to come to your church and hear the gospel message for the first time. Like, I to, I'm not asking anybody to just like act like this isn't happening. Like, no, we know that there's going to be a lot of new families. It's a big, like holiday, like s- celebrated holiday for a lot of these families. Everyone's going to be all dressed up. It's like a whole thing. So yeah, I understand if that message is more seeker sensitive and it needs to be um, displayed in a way or shared in a way that's easily understandable for the people who are hearing it for the first time.
0: Okay. We also have not watered down, in. but I thought also have to add in, how are these people getting there? And what I'm really kind of hinting at is if you are inviting your family who doesn't usually go to church to church, I think that is a great thing. And I want you to continue doing that. Even do it more. Okay, but if you are doing that so that this could be the first time that they hear the gospel message, I think that you are failing in your discipleship of that person or of that family. Why? Because people listen to those who they know love and trust. And if they know love and trust you enough to go to church with you because you invited them and they normally wouldn't have, then you really have to ask yourself, are you setting up opportunities to communicate the beliefs that you have? Are you instructing yourself in the word enough to have an answer for the objections that they might have? Are you living your life in such a way that is uh, aspirational to them where when they're going through something, they remember, Hmm. whenever this person goes through something good or bad, they always have joy. Yeah. They always have hope. Because if we're not doing that, and the only time that we do our, uh, or our only time we try to f- fulfill the command to go out and make disciples is by dragging people into the church so that our pastor can evangelize to them mm-hmm. and share the gospel to them.
1: But they don't know your pastor, they know you. Right.
0: So this is why I'm saying that the church should be a place that, most of the time is instructing and equipping believers so that we can be sent out to be evangelical, to evangelize to non-believers. But a lot of people go to churches that are so focused on just getting new people in the doors that there's probably tons of unsafe people in the pews.
1: Oh, for facts,
0: facts, which just going for entertainment. And that's the biggest critique I would say with Mike Todd is not that it can't be effective not that it it can't be used to bring people to the gospel but when we start thinking that we have better methods than just the bible spoken plainly
1: i don't know i don't know mike's todd's messages i've never listened to one of his messages so
0: me either (laughs) and this is why i don't i don't i don't don't
1: consider clips i don't if it's just a clip i'm not going to watch it and i'm not going to draw a conclusion from just a clip because i think that's unfair
0: all right. And that's why I'm not. So I don't know. If he, I don't know if he shares the gospel. Personally. But, but the clips that I've seen, some of them are pretty damning. <laughs> but again, he's just a man. I don't put pastors on such a pedestal that they won't say nothing wrong. I might have been pastoring for 30 years. He'll be the first person to tell you. Oh, you yes, lived I said with some, him. Some so. wrong stuff in that pulpit before. Like yeah. I said some wrong stuff in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like so no i'm not gonna just dunk on them like that but again well the congregation are held to a higher standard
1: we should be reading our bibles we should be able to divide it ourselves so that when people do say things that might not be true or a little you know that might just be their opinion or their take their theology their doctrine we can divide it for ourselves i think that's just the most that's just that's just the greener message here
0: so y'all let us know because y'all know way more about these people than we do um i feel
1: like y'all gonna rock with mike todd i feel like they really gonna rock with him.
0: Um, As long as Mike Todd is preaching Bible, he's fine by me. But as soon as he starts to deviate, I hope y'all, I hope y'all aren't just following these um, cult of personalities so strongly that even when they start to contradict the thing that you say you believe, that you're just going to rock with them. That's like chasing a herd off a cliff. I'm with you as long as you with God. And as soon as you deviate, I don't care who you is. I'm out. So now that's been said, now we can get to something more like Kyra. The past two weeks, I know for me, have just been a study bomb where so much new information, ideas, thoughts have been gone through my head. I'm not sure if that's true for you, but I'm assuming it is. And if it is, I want to know, what have you learned this
1: week? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, the way my head is about to explode, You literally spent... An hour and a half alone yesterday, just taking tests, mm. just taking tests. Like, that's wild. Um, Jeez, top thing I learned. Mm. I mean, one one topic I was pondering in my head that I just, I didn't learn from anywhere. I was just kind of like in my head is friendship with your children. Mm. And okay, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to have to get into that right now because it's just, it's a little late. Um so well, that's I was just, raised,
0: when we ain't got no friends. That's just something
1: no I was kind of pondering, especially that's what I was gonna say in black households. I don't know how to white households, but specifically in black households Hang when your little like, friends. Your parents are not your friends. Anyway, so that's just kind of something I've been thinking about as I, you know, continue to embark on my motherhood journey and like who I want my kids to be, and my relationship with them, and also realizing my kids aren't gonna be five, six, seven forever. They're eventually gonna be fully prayerfully grown adult men that could potentially have their own families one day and mm-hmm. their own children. And like, where do I fit in into their lives at that point? Cause they'll be able to decide if they want me in their life or not. And that's just, that is like the reality. I feel like a lot of moms,
0: we well, raise our kids, boy moms, even, I don't understand really even just the 10 commandments to honor your father, your mother. You're not going to just, I ain't did nothing bad to you. You ain't going to just X me out of your life.
1: But some kids grow up and they're just like, they don't, I mean they love their parents but they're not particularly close you know like they're not uh, they don't know their children very well as they grow and get older not to say that that's wrong or anything you know but it's just something i've been thinking about because i really hope and pray that like i will be very involved in like around my kids as they get older and like as they get married and have kids and like i want to be around like i want to be part of their community mm-hmm. not just oh i call my mom every so often like I would I hope that I get to like be very involved in their lives and like know them as they get older and as they grow.
0: Yeah, I, I think I I approach it with more certainty that I am your parent. I am the one who raised you. I am the one who who taught you and instructed you. Um I am going to always be wise to you. Now we're not even Yes, yes, I'm indoctrinating my kids. Absolutely. That's what the Bible means when it says to train up, wild, train up your child in the way they should go. So when they're older, they will not depart from it. I'm going to indoctrinate them. But even if they grow up and say, you know, God, I'm flipping the bird to you, I'm still not unpleasant to my kids. No, like being no, no. a Christian parent is being nice and gracious to your kids, to where whether you grow up and believe how I believe or not, you're still going to thank God that you had Christian parents. So I just don't see any way that my kids would grow up and not want me in their life. One, because I'm going to be giving them biblical wisdom, which is the right way to live your life because God has ordained it and said that it is so. So they're going to be looking at the actions that we suggest for them to do in the way that we live our life um, in the fear of the Lord and see the success that comes from that. Not to be confused with a prosperity gospel, but the blessings that can come from obeying God and doing what The fruit what he of says. the spirit. So seeing that wisdom tangibly and the history of that, I just don't know why they wouldn't want parents like that in their life. And in fact, the way that they'll, that they will be raised, I feel like they'll want to be a part of our life rather than us hoping that to be a part of theirs. So,
1: you know, um, when some, oh, I hope that's true. You know how like some kids when they like start hitting that puberty age and there's just like so much tension between like child parent because child is like already like raging with hormones, kind of just like agitated, irritable all the time, which I wonder if like, is that true for everybody? I don't know. Um, and so then there's just like these years of tension up until they move out and, or they don't move out. And then there's just kind of like, it just, you kind of spoil that relationship. And maybe because I don't have relationships with my parents, I'm just kind of like, I don't, I, I wonder what that looks like. Like, I wonder, you know, how do I get there? Like, how do I get to have yeah. the thing that I don't have?
0: Yeah. We only really have our adult experiences and whether or not we had tension with our parents, but I think the. One of the best ways to kind of prevent or mitigate that is to give your kids a correct understanding of the state that they're in. We live, again, in a culture that doesn't necessarily want a parent. They just want to be friends. So the kid is raised with not really having the authority figure in their life that is telling them what they should do and shouldn't do. They're kind of just unschooled. Parent is not, they don't want to be helicoptered. They just want the kid to figure out things on their own, which I I understand. But on the flip side of that, if you raise a kid that is not aware of their sin, that is not aware of the fact that without God, they deserve to go to hell, then when they're a teen and they're rebelling against the rules that you've given them, they don't know that more than just rebelling against the rules that you've given them, they're rebelling against God. And they should listen to you because God said so. And if you are honoring God, and not just creating like arbitrary rules to just be controlling and be sinful in that way, then they should listen and obey you because God tells them to. Mm -hmm. But if they're aware of their sin and they're aware of God then they will do that one, because they're going to honor, honor you. And they see that they trust God. They trust the the word and they see that you're leading in a biblical way. So they're going to do that anyway, because they have that faith, but also they're going to do it because they're going to honor God. But, again, in a secular sense where there is no worldview to teach and indoctrinate your kids with that is going to lead them away from wrong things and towards right things, they don't, there's, no real, there's nothing really wrong with disobeying your parents and talking back to them and hitting them and doing whatever you want to do because the way that they've been raised has told them that they should do whatever they feel inclined to do as long yeah. as it doesn't hurt anybody else
1: that is not i think well i think when people do. think like oh being friends with your kids they think yeah just let them do whatever they want and talk to you however they want and just whatever but i mean like i i definitely think discipline is a good thing because children need boundaries like i don't know if i'm sure you guys notice when you put strict boundaries for your kids they actually are happier Like at least that's my lived experience is like when I tell my kids you are not allowed to do this thing because then this will happen and I want you to be safe. Like they're actually I I think happier Mm -hmm. within the like happy boundaries that I've given them. But I also like I don't think it's just one side where you just are disciplined and like super mean to your kids or whatever and you don't have any relationship relational aspect.
0: Yeah, I think two things with that. To add on to that, you're. <laughs> no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just want to add on because I think one, and I'm going to speak, I'm going to paint with the bar brush because we're getting towards the end. But in the black community, <laughs> the phrase, I ain't one of your little friends, is, is terrible because I do think that it's, again, anti biblical. The theme of this episode is to look at the specific things that we have going on in our life and see if there's any biblical example or precedent for it. How can God Almighty be a friend of sinners, Jesus be a friend of sinners, but you so prideful you can you you can't at all have a friendship with your kids right you gotta we gotta really unpack that. I was like that's like why? why ain't you one of my little friends? Oh, because you don't want to talk to me nicely, you don't even know what i'm interested and in. and
1: then as as black parents, we get looked at crazy if we're like. No, my kids are my friend they're like well then you just must be a pushover that's the white in you mm. that's why you was raised by a white mama like I could just tell and it's like what like <laughs> can we just like talk about the things that we believe just because our parents said or just because that's how we were raised like no let's like actually think about that because y- y'all sound crazy like I absolutely can discipline my kids and train them up in a way where they respect God and respect me but I can also have this very loving very amazing great relationship with my kids where we are friends and we hang out together and we laugh together and we have great like that is that is what I experience and I think that is that is genuinely the fruit of a biblical worldview when you raise your children because I'm sorry if all you're doing is there's like a study I think that says like 90 something percent of the phrases that kids hear all day are like corrective phrases. So like basically you're not doing that right. You're not good at that. Do it this way instead. You're not you need to do better. It's it's they're kind of like these damning phrases and it's like children need the uplifting part too. They need the friendship. They need the community and their parents.
0: Yeah. I forgot my second point.
1: So there, there ain't no second point after that.
0: That's why that's why I don't stop talking though.
1: I no when I when I talked when I said like you're I said that and then you were like oh I'm not disagreeing with you I was gonna say you're very long-winded lately you start reading well, and you retain information so well
0: the thing is though lately the beginning of your sentences have been interrupting the middle of mine
1: because you talk so long that's because you literally talk in paragraphs I
0: have long points
1: well They're like important. let's and I also, are too. I have something to say too. You're long-winded.
0: I actually want you to be more long-winded. No,
1: I'm not long-winded. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. When you have, s- last night I went in there and I was like, "Oh, what do you think about this?" Da, 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 da. And then you completely <laughs> hijacked. I came to you. No, no, no. I, okay, didn't I that. That's initiated. A bad example. You hijacked and you went on this whole long thing, and I was just sitting there like, "How mm-hmm. I'm, how I'm not talking."
0: Don't, don't. How come,
1: he, how I'm in this now.
0: <laughs> don't come to me just trying to tell me something no we're gonna have a conversation you gonna hear me look i think that i think that brevity is important It's an important aspect of learning and the tendency that i'm having lately i don't know if you feel this way is we consume so much information that we low-key should go weekly again except for the fact that we're not gonna do that (laughs) but there's so much to be said in such a short period of time and the points that i'm making I'm not going for the low-hanging fruit. Like, I don't think like that anymore. I'm trying to find connections between things. And sometimes you can't do that succinctly. Yeah. But I do think that brevity is the next level where I think when I get smarter, I'll be able to make the exact same points but better and probably more, make way better connections in way shorter time. I agree. So I'm trying to get there, but I'm learning as I go, growing as I go. And I think that part of that learning process is giving me the opportunity to like think through because what i hate oh is what just happened like i really forgot my point and usually i can put it in my back pocket and then like whoop, but it's yeah. gone and as i'm editing this i'm remembering like dang i should have said, said it i might hop back on and be like okay the point that i was gonna make. <laughs> <laughs> the second point was going to be the because statements and in sales when you add a because after a reason it makes the people more likely to um close on the sale or do the, the deal with you. So with our kids, if we're only doing these corrective statements and correcting them all the time and telling them to do stuff, you're not good at this, you're not doing doing that right, do it, do this, do that. And then it's a because I said so. That's not really a good enough reason. Um sometimes it might be. Other times if you say do it this way because blank or you should do it this way because blank or you should do that because blank it at least offers a reason as to like why they're doing something and makes them more likely to listen to what you're saying. So that was going to be the second point that I was going to make. <gasps> um, what I learned this week? <sighs> Ooh, I got some stuff that I could say that I learned this week. But for the sake of time, I'm not going to bring it up. I
1: feel like I should. I think it's been an hour.
0: I feel like I should bring it up. Should you? I think I should because what's the point of learning? I feel like I he should.
1: He to hold us for at least 10 more.
0: The thing is, though, the best thing that I've learned to do is I incorporate what I've learned into the current events. So although I didn't teach about um, Francis Francis Schaeffer, Escape of Reason, or um, the Bible stories that I've been reading or the other books I've been reading and the connections that I've made, the world, the way that it's shaped the way that I see the world has come out in the commentary that I gave on it. Right. So hopefully that's edifying for you guys. But if you guys would appreciate hearing more like review type, and I don't want to say teaching, but like let's say review type stuff. Just on discussions learning, on what we yeah. Then I think we could do that. Except the podcast would just be so long.
1: Maybe we could just like bink, bink, bink a few points. I
0: wanted you to bink, bink, bink a few points. You start talking about friends.
1: Oh, because that's just something you I've say been. That you didn't I've just been pondering. Another thing I. um. guys there's too much (laughs) my brain is like (sighs) no but we can talk about a little bit what we talked about a couple weeks ago when I was saying that uh, when we talked about um like is God punishing you and I was saying that sometimes and when I have like hard decisions that I have to make that like sure other people could just like tell me what to do but that's not really what I'm like looking for um I can feel like if I make the wrong decision that God is going to punish me or, like, God is going to take something away from me or, like, do make something really bad happen in my life, and I will, like, have to pay for that bad decision. Um, And my professor actually was talking, like surprisingly enough about that topic of like how we make decisions and like is God expecting us to make a specific decision like is he expecting us to marry a specific person or go to a specific university or have a specific number of kids and if we don't do those things like God is basically just like waiting for us so that he can scold us and like get us in trouble um and a good point he made about decision making is that One, we have the freedom to make decisions, but also, um, a lot of people when they are making decisions will like basically want just like a direct download from God and just like, God, just tell me what to do. But when that happens, we honestly remove a lot of the growth. And like, he, he specifically used the word growth. And I was like, ding, 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 growing together. Like that is literally what our life is all about. And that's so true we miss out on the sanctification when we just want God to download these things into our brain. We miss out on the relationship. We we miss out on leaning on him. We miss out on our relationship growing deeper with him. And he kind of like compared it to in marriages. Like he was saying there, I can count on maybe one hand how many times in my marriage I've been like, I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to make this decision and you just have to get over it. Like in Christian marriages that's not something that your husband should be saying basically ever like we should be able to make decisions together and partner together and get on the same page and make decisions together like that's how it should be and he's like that's kind of how it is with God like we can partner with him and say we also have brains thank think thank God we have brains we have logic and so we can say this is why this makes sense this is why this doesn't make sense and when you're reading your bible you have a full biblical worldview you actually know scripture so that helps you in making these decisions of like actually no i can't do this because this would harm my marriage and god god says in the bible that marriage is of the utmost importance you know i can't do this thing because i have young children and god says that i need to be here i need to be present to raise my children and my my children need a healthy marriage so if anything Goes against that, it is not biblical, and most likely it's not what God wants me to do. And so I'm just like, there, we have such a wide array of things that we can grab onto when we're making decisions, and like that is fruitful. That's like what God wants us to do. We have the freedom to make whatever decision, but we also have these amazing tools that God has given us so that we can make these decisions in freedom and in peace without being afraid that we're making the wrong decision because God ultimately, he wants us. He wants a relationship with us and he wants us to partner with him and he wants us to know his word. And that just made me feel a million times better because I'm like, what I know to be true is true. But also if if I would have just gotten a download from God of like, don't do this, do this instead. Um, when I went to this retreat, I would have missed out on even the fruit of the relationships of like the community around me, the community of women around me pouring into me. And, like, he was also saying sometimes we go through trials and like, hard things just to bestow that knowledge on other people. Mm -hmm. Like, our wisdom and our love for other people is so selfless in that sometimes we go through things just for the sake of other people, just for the sake of being able to teach other people. And that's exactly what happened there as well. Like, a lot of the women there are in the exact same position I'm in and have made these decisions back when they were 20, 30 years old. And it was just such a beautiful, like, presentation of really who God actually is not this like scary man up above like I'm gonna do something bad to you if you don't make the right decision like that's just not the kind of God we just, we serve at, at all
0: yeah to add on that I might end up cutting it out but um, Kyra and I were talking about this on our way to the mall yesterday and in my opinion um, when she had brought it up she was talking about how she felt like God was going to be upset with her. She didn't make like a certain decision. And like, we believe that God is sovereign over everything. He is the master, the king over everything. And the, the belief the the way of thinking or the line of thinking that if I don't do this certain thing, that not only is God going to be mad at me, but then something bad is going to happen as a result is a limited way of thinking how God providentially works and sovereignly acts in our world. And as I was studying through Genesis last month, um, you see this in Abraham's life where God gives Abraham a, a promise. He's going to give him land. He's going to bless him and he's going to give him um, all this offspring. Um, the problem was, if you know the story, Abraham was old and Sarah was old. So Abraham um, and Sarah don't believe that they're going to conceive a child and in not believing what God told them, they try to circumvent and kind of help God's, I guess, promise to them come about. So they go with Hagar and Abraham conceives with Hagar. They have Ishmael. Now that was allowed to happen, but that was not a part of God's promise. instructive will for them. He told them this was going to happen. They didn't believe him. So they end up obviously having Isaac and God makes good on uh, the promise that he had gave them that they're going to have a a child. That's because God is sovereign and God is, he providentially worked through that. And I was going to, let me finish (laughs) the problem though is in their actions and in their disobedience and in their wrong thinking of God not being able to actually do what he said he was going to do. They did something that has caused generational chaos because of their unbelief in procreating with Hagar. They have Ishmael. And now we have all these fights that happen to this day. So It's not some benign thing, not believing God or believing that God is not capable of doing something for you or believing that God is going to punish you for not doing something because it is rooted in the belief that God can't do something unless you do something. No, God is sovereign. He is all powerful. He can do things with or without you, and he can make the things that you do that are bad actually work out for good. So it would behoove us to listen to God the first time And the way that we can do that nowadays as Christians, I'm going to steal Kyra's point, isn't by seeking out specific direction and downloads from so-called prophets, but rather looking at the prophecy that is revealed in the Bible. Because God has instructed us and told us the way that we should live. And if we live by that, then we are partnering with him. And he's going to providentially work through us and fulfill his sovereign will. But when we don't live by how he has commanded us, bad things will guaranteed happen because we are in the chaos of sin Mm -hmm. and we're not within his will. And he's still gonna work that out for our and his ultimate good. It's just that we can cause all these generational curses like Sarah and Abraham. Well, and there
1: will always be consequence for sin. Exactly. There always will be. My I think there's different tiers of decision making too. Like in my case, I think either decision could have been good. Or like um the university, like what university should I go to? You know, both can be both universities can be fine. There there's no like moral issue with it, no nothing like that. And so you can make either decision, but don't feel pressured that like you need this download to from god to like choose one or the other like where you should work or who you should marry like you can make a pros cons list of whatever man you're dating and even if you're you know over seeking a sign from god it's okay to use logic to say i shouldn't marry this man because he doesn't love god or i see these red flags in them and you can desire to be married and still be like i'm going to not choose marriage because this the man that is kind of like I'm dating or whatever is not, it doesn't line up with who God wants me to marry biblically. Cause you're not you just making a-,
0: a logical decision. You're making a biblically informed decision. Right, right, right. The Bible says to delight yourself in the word and he'll give you your heart's desires. Not because your heart's desires are just going to be whatever you want selfishly, but rather, You've permeated yourself in the word and you desire what the Lord wants. So when you're making these decisions and you do your pros and cons, the things that might have been cons are probably pros and things that might have been pros are probably cons because of how they align with what the Bible says.
1: My professor said um, we should internalize the values of God Mm. and make decisions through that Mm. versus just waiting for signs or waiting for downloads or waiting for some prophet to tell us we should we can we can we all we all have the ability this is not like some special thing that Ky- just kyra has like i only got to this place through reading my bible which we all can do hmm.
0: that's good you should make the joke that you made last night or that what? your professor made last night
1: no <laughs>
0: oh man all right we've said a, a mouthful i don't even know how much all this is gonna end up in the pocket <laughs> but anything else did you want to bring up
1: no, I think Long I'm, I'm good. I'm good. All
0: right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. As you always say, let's, let's keep, keep growing, growing together. together.